You're listening to the Tumbling Saber Podcast, a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check us out on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's time for episode 172 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Michelle. Welcome back, everybody. Glad you made it back for another week with the Tumbling Saber team. Woo! <laughs> yeah, we have a fun episode this week, I think. I'm looking forward to it. We're, yes. we're kind of on mop-up duty, cleaning up the scraps of Star Wars Celebration, but my head is still buzzing from all the stuff we learned, and uh, I've, I've got more to say. There's more to discuss and I know that we we usually talk about publishing, and we will at some point in this podcast, but we don't. We did not finish Queen's Shadow. Nope. <laughs> Put that not. right out there. We planned to review that this month. We uh, did. I, I fell wof- <laughs> woefully shy of finishing Queen's Shadow. Uh, to no oh, fault of, uh, yeah. of E.K. Johnston. It's, it, I'm loving the book. I, I, I'm just the worst reader on the planet. Well, it's, it's kind of hard when you have celebration and you've got all of this news coming out and then you're just kind of like in overload and it's so much information and you're just kind of like so giddy about this stuff that it just, it was, I feel like my personal timing was kind of off and that I started Queen's Shadow probably a little too late and it overlapped, but I'm super excited. I, I really wanted to continue with the audiobook because I really loved kind of what I talked about last month with the evocative soundtrack and the little um, sound effects and stuff. And I just think it was such an incredible experience to listen to it that I think I'm going to keep doing that, which usually when I listen to audiobooks, I switch between the book and the audiobook a lot. Um, just personal preference. And I like to read the voice in my own voice in my head. Um, but yeah, I, I just, this book, I'm definitely going to listen to the audiobook. So I just need to make sure I make the time. <laughs> So I, to do it. One of the things, like, you know, we do, we try to break down a bunch of the, the written stuff, the novels. But one of the things I have difficulty with when it comes to audiobook is that it goes by so quickly mm. that if I want to make a note of something, yeah, like it's, it's passes. Like, if I'm listening in the car or at work and I just can't stop what I'm doing to start mm-hmm. write, writing out a paragraph of notes or whatever, yep. I'm like, ah, and the, the, the thought's gone. I have to kind of hope that I retain it by the time we come. Come mm-hmm. around to talking about it, and that's that's not going to happen. No, I can barely <laughs> yeah. remember my kids' birthdays. <laughs> I feel you there because my parents, coming from a kid whose parents never remembered her birthday, even though it's during Memorial Day weekend, um, so that <laughs> I get it. It's super busy, um, but yeah, I mean, I I'm totally the same way. I'm the type of person that when I read in a book, I like to make notations and. Um, in my Kindle, if you ever look open a Kindle copy of a book I've been reading, you'll see that I use all four different highlighters to highlight things. Um, and I'm a really close reader. I like to highlight different things. Like I'll highlight things in certain color. I'll separate the colors, but I mean, no one cares probably, but, um, (laughs) as long as you do. I mean, obviously I like to, I think it really helps me when I'm reviewing things too, and to retain information because I'll do quotes and then I'll do like sentences I think are really beautiful that I think inspired me for my own writing and then like I'll also do things that I need to like I'll do tracking of the story so I'll do one color to keep track of like 
certain events, like the sequence of events, so that when I do review, I can have it in a row. And then when you pull up like your highlights on your Kindle, oh my God, it's showing my full nerd. Um, then you can kind of isolate the color, the quotes by color. So that I know which like topic I'm looking for. So if I'm looking for quotes, I'll pick pink or like, if I'm looking for like, um, tracking, I'll pick orange or something. And yeah. Well, that's so, really handy because like, even when I do read the, the novel and I've got it, like I'll make notes, so, like rarely do I write mm-hmm. in the book, right? but like, I, I usually have like cue cards with me like small yeah. little portable pieces of paper that I'll write on. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I just write, like I don't color code them. And in my head, yeah. I know I should. I know yeah. I should do something to sort these out because when I'm done, I just have a little miniature stack of, of cue cards, but it's yeah. all random jumbled nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I, now I've like, now I got to try and make sense of all, all the stuff that I wrote. Half of it's not legible. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> well, I was, I was where you were. <laughs> And then I realized when I was reading my Kindle, I was doing like I was just highlighting stuff. And I was like, well, there's four colors. Like, why don't I just highlight what I'm highlighting in my Kindle with my colors? And then I just I was like, Michelle. And then when I thought of that, like I had the aha moment, I thought it was genius, (laughs) like silently to myself. And then it's just it's actually really helped me um, with all of that, because I mean, when I usually, when I use, it's kind of a trick I picked up from law school where I used to like highlight different parts of like a case, like when we would break down a case into like a, um, like a little summary, um, we would just highlight different things like the facts or, you know, the disposition or whatever in different colors. And I just, it just stuck with me. It's just been a really great way to closely read in a very short amount of time. For sure. I used to have to read something like multiple times to retain things. But when I started doing that, it's so interesting how you can train your brain to like sort that stuff out. Because I think now I've just trained my brain to kind of remember which ones, which colors I highlight stuff with. And then now, like, I don't have to reference my notes as much because I just remember it. I have really weird, odd facts in my brain, which you all know, because I just (laughs) drop them in really random moments. But that's how I have these weird facts in my brain. (laughs) <laughs> well no that's a handy tip that is a handy it tip is. for people who it's read a, a lot tip. color code your 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 notes i actually will try to make I'll, i'm gonna try to do something similar to that yeah even if i write in different colored pen or write in pencil yeah. versus pen do something to, to separate what i'm doing because what like, i'm doing now is not working yeah you can also get like they also have like um different color post-its and they have different like they have the stack of cue cards that come in like multiple colors um, I find it really hard to read those. So I don't like the blue cue cards, I feel like are so dark, and it's really hard to read. Um, but I think it's really um, helpful, especially in a world as large as Star Wars, I think it's helpful to help you keep track of things, because there's so many different storylines and timelines and characters and things. And I think that's really helpful when you're reviewing or reading something that you want to make sure that you're not confused with everything. I think any sort of property like, you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings or uh, Game of Thrones, I think it's really great to kind of help you keep track of like, you know, just for yourself and just, you know, also to understand the universe (laughs) so that, you know, you're just not confused all the time. But yeah, or just like, frustrating yourself looking for that one note that you made it's if you if you yeah. narrow it down by color it's it's you find it a lot quicker yeah it's been 40 years of star wars i mean it's a lot of information to retain you know <laughs> it is anyway 
First off, uh, happy Easter to everybody listening to this. Some, some of you will hear it on Easter Monday, so happy Easter Monday. Uh, happy Passover if we have anybody in the Jewish faith listening. And uh, the rest of you will hear this podcast later than Easter, but we hope that uh, you had a great weekend anyway. Did you did you do anything for Easter? Or you, you were traveling, right? Yes, I was traveling. I went to Big Sur... Um... And my friend was in town and invited me. And I was like, I'm not doing anything this weekend. Um, so I decided to come. And it was really great. Um, it was kind of, I was off the grid. I had no service for a solid, like, <gasps> 30, 30, 24 hours. 30, I don't know. It was just, it was intense. Like, Or maybe it was more like 12, not 24. It felt like 24 sometimes especially when you're trying to like navigate where you're going and your phone has no service and then in order to get service you have to drive somewhere and then you realize you drove 30 minutes in the wrong direction oh, no. and you and you like a horror movie. is the navigator <laughs> yeah. it is kind of like a horror movie especially because it was three three thirty in the morning <laughs> to oh, no. four thirty in the morning and there were just all of these campers like you know parked on the road and stuff to camp on the this road this is so um, a horror movie I know we car camp. No, I'm, I'm serious. It really was though, because we went to this like car camping trail and it's literally like on the top of a mountain. So we like drove in this insane, like uh, Jeep safari, whatever. It's like the really raised one that kind of looks like a Hummer. And <laughs> we're just like on this like dirt path up this hill, very narrow. We're so lucky that we were there at 4am actually, because if another car was coming down as we were coming up in that car, it's so wide that I, I mean, there's no way we would have been able to do anything. We would have been stuck. And Off like, the cliff. The oh yeah. Seriously. Like, and it's a very tall, like mountain and very like not paved. It's very like jumbly. Like we were just, it was funny. Um, and then we kept driving and driving and driving and there's no lights and it's 4am. We have no service. We don't know if we're going to the right place. <laughs> But then we got to a certain, and I was like, I think, I don't know if we can keep going. And my friend was like, no, I think we can keep going. And I was like, all right, all right, I trust you. Nah, I don't it drive, seems fine. So it's, I don't it's, it totally yeah, seems fine. And it ended up working out. And it, it was it was so dark, though, because we drove on the Pacific Coast Highway. And it's really scenic. It's known to be beautiful because you drive along the coast, the California coastline. And it's just stunning. But it was dark, so we couldn't see it. <laughs> But we saw it today when we were driving back to San Francisco. Oh, my, my goodness. Michelle, every month you tell me a story and I'm like, yep, only Michelle. <laughs> Michelle's story times are really funny. <laughs> All right. Yeah, um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I just said they're very indicative of me and my personality <laughs> and who I am as a person, I think. <laughs> just I think if you hear my stories every month, you'll kind of understand me and my personality a little more, I think. Absolutely. Uh, thank you to Marie Wilson for becoming the latest powerful friend. Woo, Marie! Thank you, Marie. Thank you so much. Marie jumps right up to the powerful Jedi level. Hell your, yeah. Your support means so much, Marie. Thank you so much. I hope I hope we don't lose you with the Sith Disturber stuff. Go easy with that. If you enjoy it, we have recommendations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> A lot of good ones. <laughs> Tread lightly. But thank you so much, Marie. Thank you so much. We're so happy to have you as part of our family. Uh, Michelle, we had celebration last week. 
Yeah, we did. And we have a lot still to unpack, but we also got an announcement that we're having another one next year in your backyard. Yes! So this is so exciting to me because this means, I mean, when you're going to long conventions with that many people, it's really nice to live 40 minutes away, to be honest. You know, you got to cut the costs where we can because... You need to save money to spend money, I guess. Um, but I'm really excited because I was—I thought it was going to be Anaheim this year because of Galaxy's Edge and stuff. But, you know, being at Anaheim in 2020, Galaxy's Edge will have been open for about a year at that point. So it'll be really cool. I'm hoping that they do some events like at Galaxy's Edge. Oh, <gasps> that yeah, would for be sure. Amazing. That, for and, sure. They'll, they'll do oh, things for sure. Could you like, imagine? Yeah, absolutely. Like, they'll do that. What if they have, like, a screening of something at Galaxy's Edge, like, in one of, like, the cantinas or, like, in one of, like, they'll use, like, this because they have the VR, um, like, the virtual reality rides that are, like, long and stuff. And I think those have a really wide um, screen. So, I mean, maybe they'll do that. I don't know. Who knows? The possibilities are endless. It's so exciting. Yeah. But I'm also. I assume you'll be there. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I'll definitely go. I mean, I don't have to pay for my flight. I don't have to pay for my hotel room. I mean, I might actually consider it, but I mean, the prices are high, so I might just commute. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I don't I, mean, it, I think it all depends on when they announce the actual date and depending on what else is usually going around or going on in that time period in California we will probably disseminate or make make my decision for me basically I yeah think. like in my head I'm, I'm going but i have to be realistic i'm probably not gonna go i'd I love mean... to it's, i mean they're celebrating <laughs> they're celebrating like one of the greatest movies of all time and yeah, 40th um, anniversary is going to be that year yep and they would have concluded the, the episode nine will be done the skywalker saga is concluded by then so like or for or so they say we'll see what happens but anyway like this they're saying that this is a huge at least they're saying this is a huge closure on the chapter of the last nine films so you know i think it'll be really interesting plus it's 2020 the olympics are that year so maybe they'll have like star wars olympics themed stuff i don't know it'll be really fun i think it'll be really cool and um I think they're just really, really great opportunities of it being in California because they're just a lot of the stars and the people who work on in the films and the and the and the property are based in Los Angeles. So like the stars and stuff. So I think there might be a lot more people who will come and there might be more photo opportunities and signing opportunities and a lot of the authors yay are based in LA so for for me that's really exciting because the publishing stuff was one of my top three things to come out of celebration this year so I'm I'm always excited for for anything that's in my own backyard no doubt like you know in thinking about Anaheim 2020 like I'm obviously I think Empire 40th is is jumps out to me as the biggest deal Mm-hmm. But it's yes. also going to be the 15th anniversary of Revenge of the Sith, which yes. 15, okay, whatever. That's not a huge anniversary, but it, it, it is a milestone. And also it'll be the fifth anniversary of The Force Awakens. Oh, Already. my God. Already? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. 
I can't I, believe it's already been five yeah, years. Yeah. It'll be five well, years. Next year. Yeah. By the time that it rolls around. And wow. It's going to, I think it'll also be like as, as great of a draw as Empire's 40th is, it can only do so much. People want to know more about what's coming, right? Like, exactly. So I wonder, yeah. like, I think this has got to be the place, the time and place where we learn about what comes next from uh, Benioff and Weiss and Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Like, that's, this is where they have to not just tell us, but show us. <gasps> Yeah, because now we're actually going to, I mean, The Mandalorian will have premiered, we'll probably have seen, we'll have seen Clone Wars by then, like the end of it. Yeah. Um, and hey, there's just so much that, that I mean, they're going to end Filoni's Clone Wars, like by then. So we're going to talk about what happened and all of that, and that will be the place to talk about it. And, um, you know, I don't know if the Cassian stuff or any of more information we'll get before then of the other properties. Um, but we'll definitely have seen some of the Mandalorian, or if not all of the first season by then. Um, so that's also really interesting as well, um, just to see kind of they'll have had like about a year or you know, half a year of Disney Plus under the, their belt. So especially um, to see how, you know, that performance will affect or impact any of the stuff that they're going to um develop moving forward or if they're going to pull back on certain things like that it's going to be a really interesting um celebration because they'll have you know premiered this amazing new um thing called disney plus and we'll have been using it for one two uh like probably around half a year by then if it's in may they told us nothing about when it is like i'm starting to think that it will be well they said they said it's November when because oh, the Mandalorian is premiering in November. It's like I, I want to say 12th. I don't know. It was around then. And then uh, it's premiering with the launch of Disney Plus. So the date of the premiere is the launch of Disney Plus is oh, yeah, yeah. what no, I, I know. I mean, like when, when uh, Celebration 2020, that's what I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. I, I wonder I'm, when that will be. I, I'm starting to think that will be. I'm guessing it'll be April or May. I mean, depending because like um, June is. Uh, comic-con um and may uh, april uh, march is march is WonderCon, and may is vidcon or june and may may or june no july is comic-con june is vidcon so um may may or april i think will be probably the when they're going to do celebration because they wouldn't want to coincide with a huge like convention like that when they're going to go and actually premiere new stuff too. Um, so I think it'll be April or May probably. That's, that's leaning. That's my, that, that was my knee jerk, but I would, then I thinking about this, you know, I, I thought if they want to show us new stuff, including mm-hmm. possibly new footage, maybe that has to happen later, like fall of 2020. Oh, wow. You think they'll wait until the fall? I wonder, I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Have they done it in the fall before? I, I got to imagine. They've, what, done 12 or 15 celebrations? I got to figure one's been in the fall. Probably. Probably. I think the last few have been in the spring, though. Yeah, I think they've been earlier than... Yeah, because Celebration 2017 was definitely April as well. And then before that yeah. was Orlando? Or no, yeah, I can't remember. I think it was Orlando. Orlando and London were the last two. Ah, whatever. We're looking ahead now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right? I mean, anyway, I, I'm. <laughs> anytime they do want to do a celebration, 
I am absolutely down. I I am I'm actually really shocked that they chose 2020. I didn't think we would get there until we knew what was coming right. next. But uh, this I guess this tips the hat a little bit because I I have a hard time believing they would do a celebration at any point in 2020, but tell us that a movie is not happening until like 2022. <laughs> True, but I think a, a huge reason why they're doing the 2020 is because episode nine will have been out um that christmas and people will want to discuss it and they would prefer to have them discuss it at celebration than at any other convention because if you're if i mean you're disney if you want your you know green bucks you're gonna do a celebration because that's where you're gonna get the most bang for your buck instead of going to comic-con and paying them to like yeah you know absolutely disseminate your information you should be disseminating your information yourself and then having people pay you to do it so i think that's probably why they're doing it uh, other than yeah, all the fun stuff you know you know right. me oh, i always sure. go to the business and marketing and money hollywood stuff you know when we when we talk about the stuff but yeah, yeah absolutely I, I think... there's no sense in, in letting other people steal your thunder do it yourself <laughs> yeah i think so i mean it's just smart and disney is a huge company conglomerate for a reason i mean it has that you know creative power and control for a reason um so i mean i don't i i would believe it for sure anyway about disney plus we we've been wondering this for a long time will they won't they but it it, they're not it's been confirmed they're not going to carry all episodes of the mandalorian at once so you can't Mm -hmm. binge unless you want to wait for it to pile up you can't binge off the bat so is that to you is that the right call um i think I think it's so hard. I mean, for me, okay, so I understand why they may have gone this route, especially with the fans being, like, kind of divided, you know, and at this point, I mean, I I don't see that. I think, like, the current fans are, like, good, strong fans, and I think the other fans are more of a minority. Um, But I think that uh, with The Mandalorian, it being such a huge, like, The Mandalorians are so beloved by the fans that I think they're really trying to kind of, um, I don't know, kind of like give themselves a little bit more time to like, if they, I feel like if they released, if they might've felt like if they released them all at at once, like it would just be this onslaught and then it would be craziness. And if they kind of pace it weekly, like they might think it will give people a little bit more time to like get used to it. For sure. Um, and kind of, uh, and so they can more so control, you know, how much of it gets out. Because especially when you drop them all at once and, um, you know, there's the spoiler stuff where that becomes an issue. Certain people will watch it fast, certain people won't. But if you do it weekly, like you can't really get mad at people for missing it. And I think from their standpoint, I think they're thinking about they're they're they have Disney Plus, but I think they're going the Game of Thrones idea route where they're like, okay, well, so many people love Game of Thrones, and people will wait and watch it week to week. We waited for a year and nine months for the final season to come out, and we waited 564 days. We made it. We are here. <laughs> We're having episode two tonight. I'm so excited. Um, but I mean, I think that's what that's the model they're going after. Especially, um, probably they consulted Benioff and Weiss a lot about what, how, you know, what 
I don't know if they did, but I think they probably asked them a few questions about what they thought in terms of like, you know, managing such a huge beloved property that so many people are looking at. Um, but I mean, personally, like whenever I've watched like a weekly Hulu show or something like there's like the act or uh, Marvel's Runaways or, you know, any I can't even remember the other ones because you know why I start watching them weekly. And then by week three, I forget that it's weekly <laughs> or I just kind of taper off Um Personally, I think the best, I don't know if it's the best, but personally, I think what would have been a happy medium between that would have maybe kind of worked um, would be like a kind of like a season one part part, like a season one, part one, season one, season one, part two, like six months apart structure, which um, Netflix and Freeform and other kind of uh, platforms have used. Netflix does this for like Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and um, Freeform does it with like Good Trouble, Pretty Little Liars. Um, a lot of their shows are, especially with Freeform, they do kind of like off-season shows. So they'll do one part of the season in the summer and one part in the winter. And um, with like Sabrina and other shows on Netflix, they have certain shows where they do part one, part two, part three, part four, and then they'll have like a holiday special in between or something. Um, I think, and then they'll release it as like six or eight, six episodes at a time. So then it's like a full 12 or 13 full season. Um, and I really like it because personally, I think that um, when sh the formula of kind of dropping several episodes at a time gives the creatives that are involved, both the writers, the actors, the directors, a little bit more room to experiment with certain types of storytelling. And I think it lends itself to quieter stories um, because I feel like with week to week, you're so, so much happens in a week. We have so much information. There's so much going on, internet, TV, social media, all these other shows that are going on that sometimes you forget what happened the week before. Whereas when you're binging, you watch it all like back to back to back. So a lot of the character relationships that you're watching, um, are really fresh in your mind when you're watching a new episode every week. So you can kind of do an experimental episode, like for example, with stranger things, even though it wasn't super popular, they did like the 11 episode where none of the other characters were in it and they kind of fully developed her character. And I think that's the kind of concept of it. Um, Sabrina did a chilling adventures and Sabrina did similar things where you kind of did little bottle episodes where kind of fleshing out certain side characters and focusing on them a little bit more. And um, I think when you're doing like a, a binge drop show, you can do something like that. Whereas week to week, when you're doing like a, a character portrait of one character, I think some people would be like, well, I don't like that character. I'm not going to watch this episode. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Cause like you can, you know what I get, mean? So oh, yeah, yeah, like you can get like be soured. Like you can get like, you can, or you watch like a mini arc of, of like X character over two, three yeah. weeks and be like, this sucked. Yeah. And so like, that's why I think a lot of shows too, like um, some certain shows, especially with action heavy or um, superhero shows, like for example, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, they don't want to take week breaks in advance. Well, they're a network show, so they're a little different, but they hold their episodes and they don't premiere until mid-season and they do every week so that people can be, it'll be fresh in your mind because when you're 
watching shows is such high stakes and there's so much action and so much going on and it's so busy it's hard to keep track of everyone and where where you left them off and like wait where were they where they were there and nope they were here and no they're at that space station no they're in space like it's really hard to tell like you're just like wait where am I I'm so confused like how did they get there? And, you know, all the names are confusing. I think with The Mandalorian, it's probably a little, story-wise, it's a little different. I think, um, you know, Kathleen Kennedy called it a a quieter story, a little bit more contained. It's a little bit more specialized. So maybe inherently it's already very um, niche uh, so that they don't, so like the things that I'm talking about in terms of like, you know, experimenting um, with certain episodes. I think maybe from what I've heard of Kathleen Kennedy talk about The Mandalorian, I feel like to to Disney and to Lucasfilm, The Mandalorian, the show itself is an experiment of quiet story comparatively to the theatrical films um, that we've experienced thus far. Well, yeah, and, and also you have, you have like the, the variety of directors, right? So mm-hmm. even just by that, you're going to get different looks and feels exactly and that's so awesome i think i love that because i think um that's really going to open up the story more and i think it's going to give a lot of fans a lot of joy because you know it, it is amazing to have you know these trilogies with these big but they're they're very each movie is very controlled creatively by one or two people not, I mean, not really, but you know what I mean. And when I say yeah, that, the writers directing. and directing, yeah, exactly. But when you do a show, it's a, sh- it's a story, but it's controlled by lots of different perspectives and eyes. And I think it brings a lot more layered, layered kind of storylines and textures to the actual characters and different people have different experiences, different backgrounds. They bring different viewpoints and aesthetics to the show and they actually end up kind of elevating each other. I think rising tides lift all ships. And I think the fact that they're going to be all these different directors and with the focus on adding more female directors into the universe in this way, I think it's really great to kind of um, help uh, expand also the women in the, um, in the stories and uh, the relationships that they have and the family dynamics and things like that too, that I think will really give a different flavor to the storytelling that we're going to see in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, it'll certainly put like, put a different eye behind the camera that will give us perspectives that Mm -hmm. we've, we've not had yet before, which is good. Exactly. We should should blow this universe out and and get all the different viewpoints in there. Yeah. I, I think, I'm also like, I know that like, at the outset you hesitated and I did the same thing because mm-hmm. if you put eight or 10 episodes in front of me, I will, I will devour them. Oh, I will them. watch them in a day. Like I yeah. will stop everything like, and I will definitely have watched them in two days, period. Maybe even one and a half times or twice. <laughs> pretty much like I, I'll, I'll, I would <laughs> deprive myself of sleep. I'd stay up way later than I need to, especially, you know, getting up early for work and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I, I think ultimately this is the right call and it's, it's yeah. the smart move that saves us from ourselves just so that we can exactly watch an episode in the same way as same way that you would kind of like enjoy a meal rather than tear right mm-hmm. through it, you know? So like, mm-hmm. th- like, like I said, the, the, the Star Wars junkie in me kind of wants to stomp and throw a bit of a tantrum that I'm not getting everything at once. But for more than one reason, I think it's the right call. Like, Again, we get give that episode its breathing time so that 
selfishly as a podcast, we can kind of dissect it and, and yeah. let it marinate a bit. And, and also from a business standpoint, from Disney standpoint, mm-hmm. like if they dropped everything at once, what's to stop mm-hmm. people from signing up for a month and yep. they binge the Mandalorian, they do and all they the, like the, drop off. Yeah, watch yeah. Falcon it's, and and what uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, right? Winter Soldier. Oh my god, I want to see that so bad. Oh. So like, if they launch with all these shows, you can easily binge those in a month, and then yep. just drop mm-hmm. it, drop the subscription, and wait until more stuff piles up. Sign yep. up again for a month, drop off. So this way, it it, it keeps more people invested for longer, which I think is Kyle. smart. You did the business side. I, know. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> but you're so right. And now that you said that, that's totally that is also I think a huge factor. Like it has to be. It a lot be. of the that's especially because they're just launching the service. It's new, it's competitive with other like giant streaming, you know, services that they're trying to, you know, go up against. And uh even if they have this whole like, you know, two-year Marvel moratorium or whatever with Netflix and all of that, um, it's still going to be a huge, you know, insane platform immediately because they have all these properties going into it. Oh, it's Um, hugely important to them. Yeah. So it it makes a lot of sense um, to do that. And also, I think it's really smart because, um, you know, if you do the week to week, I think if you Put if you view it from like a game of uh, if you you view Game of Thrones as kind of like you know an example, um, it's very theatrical, large scale, large scale, um, huge production value, and a lot of money, a lot of people involved, a lot of directors, a lot of actors, a lot of different like um, sets in different countries all over Europe and the world, and so it. It, it and but people do watch week to week and like if you don't want to watch week to week and you want to wait and binge you can later but that's your choice i think when you do have this week to week format you also do have this kind of um uh ability to be able to actually like talk about it like if you didn't watch the first episode in 4 weeks like that's your fault and that's on you because you wanted to binge it like i watched it four times the first week and then another few times after that so if i want to talk about it that's my choice like it's already aired. Like you could watch it. Like you don't have to listen to me, but like there's that too. So I think, um, you know, in that sense, it also helps like with the whole like spoiler situation. Um, when people get really mad about like Netflix shows, you feel guilty that you can't talk about it because you're, it's on you that you binge them so far so fast because you don't have self-control or maybe that's just me. And that's how I, <laughs> no, no, I think, I think you're right. I think <laughs> that the feel, worst yeah. thing about this whole thing is that not everybody is getting the service at the same time. Yeah. That exactly. sucks. Mm-hmm. That so really sucks. that's, that's going to be hard. Um, and I think maybe if they did have, if they had waited and dropped it, um, in a bunch, a lot of people probably would have been watching it at the same time. Um, but I mean, but then again, like, you know, they're a business, they need to make money in order to make, put that money into making more amazing content for us. So like, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship. Like people get mad about, you know, Disney, they're only grabbing the money, but you're like, no, but you need money in order to make movies and you need to pay these people to make them. And, uh, it, it just makes sense. Like, it's just, you can't have one without the other. And if you want more amazing Star Wars, like you need more money involved so that they can put the money into I think the worst thing, regardless of how many people sign up on day one or week one or month one, the worst thing that could come out of it 
is news articles of people mm-hmm. jumping off the service. No matter yeah. what that number is, even if it's like 5% of people who just don't like it and, and bail out, you don't want that. If you're Disney, yeah, this, you don't. this service is becoming like so key for you. Mm-hmm. You do not want that to be a thing. You don't want that story out there at all. So they're going to do what they need to do to, to keep people hooked. Yeah, I think I think they're really being smart and I think they're I think when they first came out the gate they were being really aggressive and um they were kind of going after all this stuff and now they're kind of taking a little bit more of like a let's wait a little bit and see how how we do approach where you know now they're like let's let's rein it back a little let's kind of figure out what people want first instead of, you know, doing that. So Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's put that aside for now. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll revisit this in the months to come. Some, yep. <laughs> uh, Kathleen Kennedy spoke at at uh, celebration. Yes. She spoke to MTV, and it was just like a two and a half minute soundbite. But mm-hmm. man, was it packed! So it was amazing. What a soundbite that is! And I feel like that clip Ugh. kind of went under the radar. It did. It. I think. It I think really went think- unmentioned. Yeah, I think Josh, the the interviewer of, of the screen, the film interviewer for NTV, he he's amazing. Like he asks really good questions. Like he knows what questions to ask to get the right answers. And I think he has this very. Um, I've been watching him forever. Uh, he he's really 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 good. And I think um, because the uh, film industry people trust him and they know he asks really good questions. Um, that they feel comfortable opening up to him and sharing, you know, a little bit of information. And I think it was, he, he knows what questions to ask. And I think that's why you can get such a dense, you know, 25 second clip <laughs> no or something, you know what I mean? 20, two minute clip from this one person, because he literally just asked like four questions that, and like gave us these amazing answers that all were jam packed of information. Yeah. So the first, there's like three or four good, good points here to talk about. And the first is that he asked her about future movies with sequel trilogy characters. And Mm -hmm. you don't often see Kathleen Kennedy pause the way she did. Like she kind of like, you could tell she was just sort of, stopping the whole interview for a second and organizing her thoughts just so that she didn't say too much. <laughs> yep. What can I say? What can I say? Let me censor myself real quick and take a moment. Yeah, exactly. That's and it, like, to, to me, it sounds like just the pause in itself, because like, if it's no, if it's no, we're leaving this, this saga behind. That's it. That's the answer. But she's, she stopped. She composed an answer in her head. And to me, it sounds an awful lot like, we're going to see down the, some of these characters down the line, whether it's Ray or Kylo or Poe or Finn or whatever. Like she, like she did say that they were going to take a break on, on the big screen mm-hmm. and then spend time and energy figuring out what, what direction the saga as a whole is going in. But this, that comment about future movies with sequel trilogy characters, it's at least the second time where she has mm-hmm. publicly said that they're looking at what's next for these characters. Mm-hmm. And the first was in 2017 before The Last Jedi came out. So there's definitely something cooking behind closed doors. Maybe we learn at oh, Celebration yeah. 2020. But <gasps> yeah, wouldn't that be something? But there's <laughs> there's definitely more to come with these characters. And of course, they get away with it by saying, you know, if you tie this up and then the, the next set of movies with these characters, if it comes to that, is just not about the Skywalker family legacy. Mm-hmm. What, what was your it's just reading? about them. 
Um, for me, I was I I felt it was very wink wink um, to me, where it was just like as I would call it a pregnant pause. Um, yes double entendre heavy pregnant in in the fact that they're going to birth all of these incredible star wars story baby children um but i think i mean i i definitely think like compare um like think about how they announced the cassian Endor show and then they announced uh, recently that yes k2so will be on it and we were talking is he going to be on it is he not going to be on it what are we going to do so i think like and you see like you know poe showing up in um oh god why am i blanking with cause on the resist resistance yes resistance yes resistance oh my god so many names to keep track Um, (laughs) 40 years and so yeah so you keep so they're they are popping up here and there um you know whether or not they're in the films i think um i think there it, it would be really interesting i mean i would love to see movies about them separately um about who they are outside of the skywalkers and them kind of trying to figure out you know what is this next step of us kind of taking the helm and taking you know the next generation of people into this universe and what are we without these people um i think it's i think there's a lot to discuss so i think you know um whether it be um for example uh when Disney Plus decides to do, I, I'm going to say decides to do because I'm very much convinced, especially after this interview, that they are going to do like the platform, uh, straight to platform Disney Plus uh, films um, about quieter stories. A lot of the smaller um, kind of character films. I think they'll probably move to a Disney Plus film situation where it's like theatrical films, uh, a Disney Plus film, and Disney Plus TV shows. Um, so I think, you know, uh, they might go that route and, or they might go theatrical. We'll see. But I think, um, because yeah, like, Iger shot that down, but part of me doesn't believe him or I mean, part of me I, believes that they'll just say, Hey, look, we reassessed, we saw opportunities. We, we you know, Disney plus has done as has shifted our perspective on things. Yeah. So we're doing it. I think they're just waiting to kind of see how Disney plus performs and how people react to the shows that they, um, you know, they premiere, they premiere when it comes back. And I think, um, the Rogue One show will be a huge kind of, uh, Cassian Andor and K2SO. I think that will be a huge, uh, indicator of whether or not they're going to move forward with, you know, prior film characters into their own properties. I think that will be a huge test for them to see if people are going to come, um, people who were Rogue One fans are going to come onto the show, how they're going to react to it, whether or not they do like it or not, if they think, because sometimes, you know, there are, like, for example, with Pirates of the Caribbean, like when they made the Jack Sparrow only movies, like sometimes a little, like making a side character, a main character doesn't work out, but sometimes it does. So um, we'll see what happens. I think this is going to be a huge test for that. And then, um, you know, that might impact whether or not they, um, change their mind, so to so to speak, of what you said about you know Bob Iger, Iger shutting it down, and then maybe that will convince them. Maybe we should reopen this. Maybe you know he'll reconsider and you know do something else. So like maybe it's as simple like cause when he when he shot it down, he says like, oh, we we like the whole cinematic thing of it. We, we I think between the lines, he was saying we like the money, which is understandable. Yeah, but I th- but I, I, I I wonder yeah. if they're just thinking like. Let's see how the Mandalorian plays. Let's see how K two S or the Cassian Andor show plays. Yep. If it feels cinematic and it's received that way, 
mm-hmm. hey, maybe we can. Maybe if 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 we can give this movie a, a cinematic feel without the cinematic budget, like if they can do it for thirty mm-hmm. million bucks, yep, maybe they consider I mean, it. I think that um, I think the difference between Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger is that Bob Iger is a CEO. He's a money man. He I mean, he is creative as well, but he is the businessman. So he is, I think he doesn't, he, I think once he understand or experiences Disney plus and the revenue that it would possibly generate or the, see the actual projections once they do start getting money in, um, I think that might actually influence his decision because, you know, I mean, Netflix is giving these creators like so much money. Like if, did you, they offered, um, crazy rich Asians, like, like crazy millions of dollars to have that on their platform. And they turned it down to be theatrical. But I think like, you know, Netflix does make a lot of money. So um, I think that will really, uh, if if that really, if that kind of money does start moving in, you know, I, I feel like he'll maybe might change his tune or, you know, maybe Kathleen Kennedy and the people who are developing the shows have these idea on the back burner as like, you know, cause they, you know, plan so many different things that we probably will never even see oh, that sure. you know, get left on the cutting room floor. So I, I will guarantee you that they have pitches and, you know, packaged material proposals of these stories, um, whether or not they kind of, you know, get passed on to the Bob Iger's of, you know, Disney will be seen, but I think, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm have a sort of different, they know a little bit more of their stuff and they're preparing, um, that they probably, you know, that Bob Iger doesn't exactly necessarily have the kind of perspective, the same perspective on, I guess, yeah, and that he's you, kind I, of coming from a business standpoint and they're coming from a creative standpoint. As a business um, guy, if, if you give him the business case that this makes us more money, or this, yep. is, this is a good move for the brand, mm-hmm. he'll go, oh, okay. The thing is, business people want proof. So they want to see the numbers. So once the numbers come in, I think I think that might be one of, I, I'm guessing, or I mean, assuming, that's just me. I'm assuming, because it's my assume, <laughs> assumption, um, that, uh, you know, he's probably was like, well, show me the money. Like, you know what I mean? And just if we, if the money's there, then we can put it in. I think it's all about, you know, if it makes the money for us to be able to put in the money back to create these shows, if people want it and they show up for it, um, we'll put that money and we'll make it. I think that's kind of, you know, that's, I mean, from a business person standpoint, I think that makes a lot of logical sense. So I think if he, if the, if the numbers convince him, then I think he might change his mind. Um, or maybe he's just, maybe he's just misdirecting us all because he's a freaking genius. Maybe just keeping expectations low. Maybe that's, well, in that, in that little video clip. Yeah. Uh, Kathleen talked about, she did talk about Disney Plus and how mm-hmm. you know she emphasized the opportunities that this platform gives them. And I, the, I'm not the only one, obviously, but I've been banging the drum for a while that they are going to use the shit out of this service. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they just now that they've decided that at some point they're going to take a break from the big screen. I think they want to pump this Disney Plus for all it's worth. And it's going to be really, really important for fans. To, if that's where you want to get your fix of Star Wars, that's where it's going to be. And it, it it shelters, I think, Disney and Lucasfilm a little bit from from the stupid conversations that we had in the last year. Oh, where, my God. Like, like Solo didn't gross a billion dollars. 
oh my god, the sky's falling, Star Wars is dead. So if they say, okay, no more of that, we'll break that down and do shows. Well, now suddenly you take box office gross out of the equation. Mm-hmm. You can't talk about that anymore because we won't get nope. those numbers. So we will we'll only be able to talk about the movies based on the merits of the story. Yes. That's it. That's all. And I think that's smart for them, not only to draw people into the service, but from a almost from like a marketing PR standpoint where mm-hmm. this this helps control the narrative, which has you know, I- taken, a, taken a few punches over the last 18 months or so. Oh, yeah, I completely agree with you on that front. I think what I one of the things I got from that interview with Kathleen Kennedy is that they are really being smart. They've taken their experience over the last, you know, trilogy and standalone films, and they've really applied it to how they're going to launch it, how they're going to launch um Disney Plus and future movies and all of these things. And I think um, you can really tell that she's really trying to protect the filmmakers and the directors and the actors and the people involved in in addition to the stories, I think, um, because they're getting attacked so much even before people even see them. It's just like, you know, someone drops something and then it's just like automatically everyone just wants to piranha the hell out of it before it's even released to everyone. Um, I think that's a little unfair. Can you imagine if Rogue One was coming out now or next? Oh my God. And we were hearing about all the rewrites and reshoots and like... Yeah, I mean, especially because I I know I I know know through a friend, um, the person who was hired to come in and rehaul that entire script, um, and uh, so it's from hearing stories through that channel, it was pretty much a disaster when she came in. (laughs) It was four hours long. It was all over the place, like crazy. So, um, I think that. it, it gives a little bit, I think, and also I think it's because they have their character stories. And I think character stories better lend themselves to series because even if it's like a mini series of eight episodes, because you're trying to explore a character's story and their life and why they are the way they are, who, how they became who they are and what they're going to do from now on. And it's hard to do that in two hours. It's really hard to do that fully in two hours, which is why a lot of the, they want, were thinking about, they did the kind of, um, they ended it with that, uh, kind of, uh, opening to potentially do a second movie if they want to basically. Um, but I, they're, uh, from what she said, they're putting that on ice and, um, for now. And it, it makes sense. I think if that was a TV show, maybe people would have had a little bit more, openness to it all who knows um but i think that uh it's it's a smart move um from what they're doing but i think she's really being careful they're being very careful and they're applying everything they learned um to this to make sure that it 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 launches and it's a success and that there's no room for um people to come in and try to break everything down and kind of smush it down before it has room to kind of find its legs and breathe a little bit I think, yeah. I I think they've learned a lesson. I think the the two standalones, which, as you know, Rogue One was was a tumultuous production. Even if the end result is 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 beautiful, but it was my favorite. I mean, it's it's one it's probably it's one of my favorite Disney Star Wars movies. I I love Rogue One. It's it's yeah, brilliant. Even Solo like turned out pretty good, even though it had a very troubled production. And I I think from 
that side of things, the business side of things, I I I personally believe that they've taken a they've assessed that side of it and, and went, these two standalones were a disaster to get done mm-hmm. with middling results all told. Let's stop doing that because it yeah. it 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 creates a negative buzz in the media and mm-hmm. and the fandom. And we have like we're we just want the movies to be these gigantic events. So we're going to space those out and all this other like video content, all this other content mm-hmm. we want to do, we'll we'll spread it, spread it out on this streaming service. So for now, yeah, I think standalones are are dead. But anyway, yeah. that's that's another conversation but they did talk yep. about future filmmakers or at mm-hmm. least kathleen did and yes. I, I, it was really interesting to hear her say that ryan and the game of Thrones guys are actually talking together closely working closely yes. together and well that, that that amazes me i it, it does but it also doesn't in that um I think that uh, when you're going on to kind of like a show, not I know those are films, but like um, when they're going into these kind of next levels of that, I, and also if you think about um, Project Luminous, which we're going to talk about a little later, um, you know, they brought in these multiple, their top authors to kind of work on something and break something and create something together, the five of them whether or not they all do their separate things or together. But I think this is basically like that. Um, I think they're moving towards trying to um, bring a cohesiveness a little bit more to these separate storylines to make sure that even though they're different stories, they all connect to each other. And I think with Game of Thrones, um, they're doing a lot that, because that universe, I think they learned it might have they probably learned some things because now they're doing the prequel series for Game of Thrones going forward. Um, and so I think they've they've really understood kind of how much it's important for all these different collaborators and directors to all kind of be on the same page, even if they're not telling the same exact story, because they're all connected. They're all in the same universe. So there might be Easter eggs that they're trying to plant in each other's things. And that's just so much more um, satisfying for a viewer and a fan to be able to kind of see even though they're different entities, they might have these kinds of overlaps. Um, yeah, I, I hope they're they're getting the the mythology of it all worked mm-hmm. out. Yeah, beyond, beyond I, like the mythology of the Skywalkers, I hope they're yes. they're going a bit broader so that they they both the both of their series speak to that. And I think maybe this is also a conscious choice on Disney's end to kind of bring exactly what you're saying a cohesiveness to the lore and the legend of you know, that exists in, in Star Wars, because I mean, you know, we have the original force idea. And then when we went to the prequels, we had the midichlorians and then we decided to not do that and then go back <laughs> to something different. So like, you know, even in the original nine films, like we do have this kind of back and forth between what's actually the lore and what's actually the rules and what's, what are actually the, the backgrounds. So I think, you know, something that when you have these big universes, especially I think with big things like Game of Thrones, you have to make sure your everything, you know, matches up and the rules because people are sticklers. Like for example, in Game of Thrones, I w- I'm still really angry about, you know, the fact that they were able to make one of the dragon, um, Viserion, I think, into an ice dragon because white walkers cannot go in the water and they hooked that chain over his neck and he has a long neck like how would they have done that it's, he was at the bottom of a, a, a 
freaking lagoon that had ice all over the top. Like, it's, it's not possible. That's sloppy writing to me. So I was just really, I'm so angry about that. And obviously, Clearly. like, you know, like, I, I mean, great. I have to let it go. And I did. But I mean, it's, from a stand, from a storyteller standpoint, that's a plot hole to me. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, the lore, that's the, the you just told us in the exact episode that this group of people were saved because the White Walkers couldn't come to them because there was water. So what are you doing? I don't understand. But like that's, but they're trying to kind of mitigate that going forward, I think, because they had that in the original nine movies. So now they're like, okay, let's make sure that we cover our bases and we have this kind of cohesiveness. What are we going to present going forward as the main kind of canon rules and lore and legends of our universe going forward so let's kind of get together brainstorm and you know decide together what we want it to be or what we think we should keep what we shouldn't what we should kind of focus on in the last nine movies what which versions of the truth should we use um yep which i think is really brilliant and it's smart and again it's 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 smart careful planning that you know Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm have learned from the past to kind of bring forth into the future, I think. Absolutely. Um, and and, and yeah. in the same comment about, about uh, the Benioff and Weiss and, and Johnson, she did all like the uh, Josh Horowitz. He asked her about, he's like, ah, you know what? Do you don't have any women behind the camera? And she's like, well, yes. uh, but, 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 but we do actually. And she went on to talk about uh, the Mandalorian and how and she doubled down on how but- that will be a huge focus with not only just the Cassian Andor series, but with these new uh, lines of movies, which which is good. I mean, people have been up in arms about that because they keep talking about doing it, but they never actually do it. Now mm-hmm. they've started with the air quote small screen stuff, but it looks like she's put her money where her mouth is this time and saying it's going to happen on the big screen. And that's, you know, that's what anywhere from two to five years from now. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's definitely coming. And I'm, I'm glad to hear her put, a pretty firm timeline to that. Yeah, I mean, I props, huge props to George Har- Josh Har- Horowitz. Oh my gosh, I can't even say Josh. To Josh for asking that question. I, I, people have been talking about it so much that I was just like really impressed when he actually like it was like the third question he asked. It wasn't even the the final question, and I was like, whoa, yes. Thank you. Um, he came from the standpoint of not the shows. He was saying, like, why? I mean, you're talking about this. You're a woman. Um, our, now our main characters are a lot of women. But, like, you still haven't, on the theatrical side, brought a female director yet. Like, the next few, the next, you know, six films are all going to be directed by men. Or so they say. Um, but I, I, I think this this route of where Kathleen Kennedy is going with the directors being on the small screen is also, again, like making it a focus with extreme care first by bringing in female directors to direct the show episodes to kind of, you know, get the Star Wars fan base acclimated a little bit. And like once they've had their feet wet with these new kind of like different types of directors um, and gain, you know, some sort of experience there, then they can spin them off into the films and maybe, you know, not prove themselves because they don't, they're probably all very talented and don't need to prove themselves as a filmmaker, but in this universe, um, to the fans and to the, to the people 
you know, uh, to the public, depending on how, you know, how well it does or how critically acclaimed it becomes. And then basically that kind of becomes this kind of armor that they can use going forward being like, well, you know, you really loved my show. So you shouldn't complain about me directing the film because you like my work and you liked my work in the show. Well, yeah. And in, I think in the it, same way that people say, well, give, give Gareth Edwards another Star Wars movie like Rogue yeah. One is awesome. OK, fine. Uh, it'll, it'll apply to those episodes of Mandalorian where, you know, whether it's Deborah Chow or Bryce Dallas Howard or Dave Filoni, if, if somebody knocks it out of the park, they'll say like, look what they put to screen. Let's yep. go <laughs> give that person two and a half hours. Let's go already. Yeah. And also I think, you know, they're being really careful to protect the women because I mean, in the past three or no, not just three, but like in the past, you know, Disney star Wars films, the women have been attacked, you know, I mean, uh, Kelly Tran, um, and just everyone. And I think also Hollywood is, is still very much a boys club, regardless of the Me Too movement, regardless of a lot of, you know, the changes behind the screen. It's changing. Yes, it's becoming more diverse. More women are getting stronger. But it is very much a boys club, especially from the money standpoint. So, you know, a lot of the time they've they've always said, like, female directors can't, you know, carry a big film. And then, you know, Patty Jenkins with Wonder Woman changed that. And uh, it's and Ava DuVernay and all these things. But I think even not just Disney and Star Wars people, but I think Hollywood is very quick to shoot down any female directors who have lukewarm responses when their films don't do well or are lukewarm in terms of like the box office when there's so many other factors kind of involved like it could have been the story or it could have been marketing or it could have been something else but it's always the if the director is a woman it's always a woman who gets blamed and then she doesn't get the next sequel it gets passed on to someone else and it's just the the way that it works to be shorter Mm -hmm, it does like just think of this first imagine the last jedi was written and directed by a woman oh god you can you imagine it would have been it would have been a crazy play. And that woman would have been at doxed so hard, you know, and Reddit, they would have had attacked her online like crazy. Like, it's just it's very scary um, to be a woman in Star Wars sometimes. And it's nice to to know that, you know, the other women are there to protect you and kind of like, you know, help be solidarity. And they're being careful about how they're going to they're they're making sure that, you know, the focus isn't on the fact that they're a woman. It's on their story. It's on their talent. It's on, you know, their skill and their ability to tell a story and a good one. Yeah. And I think that's eventually the goal of all is all of this is that we don't care anymore. Cause now it's exactly now it's like most people say like, Oh, who cares? As long as like, just tell a good story and yeah, fine. That's Mm -hmm. we'll get there eventually. But until Mm -hmm. we cross the, you know, cross that bridge, it's going to have to be sort of heavy lifting and, and and intentionally going out of our way to make that kind of leap and connection. Yeah. And I mean, you know, even as I'm saying this, like as, you know, a woman who champions other women and women creators. And I, I mean, it's, it sucks that I have that this is how I'm, you know, talking about this because I wish I didn't have to say these things, but it's true. And I'm being a realist. I'm saying like, but they're trying, they're taking the truth and the reality of Hollywood and filmmaking and all the disgusting, sad, depressing stuff behind the scenes. And they're really trying to protect these women because it's not just from the industry, but it's also from these fans and everything. It's just social media culture, the way that it is now. People are very angry in the universe and like to attack people right now. It's just the nature of society and the world right now. It is. And so, 
you know, you have to take that into account. You can't just ignore that. You can't just be, well, women should be able to do whatever they want. Sure. But that's not isolated by itself. Outside environmental factors do influence that. And so these, these people who are involved, Kathleen Kennedy, Lucasfilm, they're taking that into account and being like, okay, how can we still do what we want to do and make female directors for the theatrical films work where everyone's happy and every no one has anything bad to say other than, you know, it was the story that was the problem or it was the marketing push that was the problem. It's not about the fact that she was a woman that directed it. And I think it's sad that we still have to do that at this age and time, but that's just the reality of the way that it is. And change is hard. We have to be realistic. Yeah. Change, change is, is hard. It's, it's a phase that hopefully we are going through and it's going to take some time, but it, I think these things tend to go one way. Yeah. And, you know, progress is going to happen. It's just, you know, we have to be patient. And if this is how we're going to be patient, I'm excited. I'm really stoked to see, you know, which like the female directors that they announced for The Mandalorian are amazing. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, You know, know, I, I had no idea that Bryce Dallas Howard was even a director. Oh, did you not? She did. She, yeah. Well, I mean, naturally, I think, especially when your dad is also Ron Howard and, um, you know, I think she probably learned a lot of things. And I think a lot of actors who do end up going into directing, they really do well because they know how to talk to their actors and they know how to bring out the best performance because they talk actor. They don't, they talk director, but they also talk actor. So as a director, they know how to explain to their actors what they want and how to bring out the best performance so i think it's i think it'll be really great i really loved um her directing work too so it'll be really good i think it'll be interesting i think she has a really great kind of um when you listen to her interviews or talk about things i think the way that she thinks is really brilliant and um yeah i think it'll be really cool I'm sure. stoked. It'll be fun. And then uh, Horowitz asked Kathleen Kennedy a question I never thought anybody would go to. And then the answer was was equally surprising. And he asked mm-hmm. her about Knights of the Old Republic. Yes. Because uh, I don't know. Do you know Knights of the Old Republic? I know For me, it's my Star Wars blind spot where I know names and, and places and exactly. certain events. But only because like I hang out in Facebook groups and people talk about it. And I go, oh, what's that? Oh, it's a KOTOR thing. I don't know, but now I've I've at least got that little detail. Otherwise, I've got nothing, but here they came and he, they just brought it right up. Where, where are you on KOTOR? Do you know it? Do you care about it? I mean, I, I didn't really know a huge bunch. Like, I don't know anything specific, like like very specifically about it. I do know like certain storylines and... Um, you know, like names, I mean, not, I can't even say I, it would be, it would be a lie to say certain stories. I don't know them all. Um, I, but yeah, I think it's, it's a really cool, um, place to kind of expand a little bit more, I think. Um, so, I mean, that should be really cool and interesting. I'm not surprised that they're developing, uh, games into show, um, because they're very, uh cinematic i mean if you look at battle battlefront it's very like it's like a movie yeah so i mean i i'm not surprised that would be really cool and people on twitter are so excited well i think i think i think they got fed some clickbait headlines because she 
that because oh, they a loaded thought that comment. it was actually happening, right? Because she's just saying they're thinking about it, yeah, or they're they're in discussion. I forget what. Yeah, I, she goes, "Oh, we talk about that all the time." I that's what she which, said. Which is like to to a, a Kotor diehard is like yes, they actually they're listening to us, but she didn't get to what it is that they're doing or when they'd see it or mm-hmm. if we would see it. They, she just kind of said, we're look, I can't remember the quote. I should have wrote it down. No, but I, I think she said that they were, they were in, they're, they're in discussions. Lo- looking at developing something, I think is what she yeah. said. Or, but they said they had something kind of, um, what's it called? Uh, bou- not bouncing around because that's my word, but the, con- the, the context or the, the intention behind it was similar in that they've, they have, discussed and bounced around ideas regarding that yeah Um, and then that that led her into from there she kind of like segued into the idea of two movie two movies per year right and and to me it sounded like she went into like there's a cadence to star wars and we have to make sure that we don't do too much and then they talked about how they tried to do it with uh the last jedi solo Solo, yeah it didn't work so it almost sounds like she tipped her hand as to yeah if we're looking at kotor it's Maybe a movie, but I think we it's don't probably going to oversaturate. It, or it could be a show. I think it's going to be a show, to be honest. I don't think it's going to be a movie. I think it's going to be a show, or I think it's going to be a mini series, or I think it will be like um, maybe it's the next know, animated. I, I that would be really cool. I think that it would be it would lend itself to the next animated. I think because it's game and that animation is really good anyway. So I think it would work as an animated feature or series um i mean it, it animated could go on forever. feature like you could just do season cool. after season oh yeah but it, i mean animated yeah it would be really good i think it would be a great because also games there they have you know they there's so many editions of it that story could go on forever like totally so i think that's that's a smart a smart um uh, guess of where they're gonna go with that i think um and yeah i, I what i read into what she said about you know, the two movies per year thing is that, you know, they said, well, they experimented with doing two movies in the year. They realized that you know, didn't do so well. So they're no longer going to go. They're no longer going to do two movies per year. That was what I got from it. Totally. Um, theatrically, I think um, depending on how Disney Plus does, I think they will consider maybe doing straight to Disney Plus films or animated feature films because Netflix has been experimenting with that and it's been doing very well. Um, So I think um, from a streaming example uh, perspective, I think um, even if I I don't think they're going to do more than one theatrical movie per year anymore, especially if they want to kind of push forward the streaming platform i think it would be a disservice to the streaming platform if they did more than two movies per year but that's just my opinion no uh, that's i think that's a fair point because yeah yeah there's no people just the casual moviegoer is is content they've got what they need and there's no there's no real reason to, to flock over to that thing so yeah I, I think one movie per year or one every two years creates that itch where you need to get your content somewhere. So Disney Plus is there for seven nine six ninety nine a month. Get on board. Yeah, exactly. And then she kind of segued from there into, you know, this is why Disney Plus is so great because it helps us, you know, uh, tell quieter stories like The Mandalorian and, you know, K2SO and Cassian. And so, like, that was her example of quiet stories, quotes. So I think 
she said, you know, when she, as soon as they said, oh, yeah, Knights of the Old Republic, we've discussed it. But that uh, we tried two movies per year. Didn't work out. We're not going to do that anymore. But the reason why Disney Plus is so great is because it allows us to tell quieter stories. And I think that is her kind of like undercover way of saying if we do do Knights of the Old Republic, it will be on Disney Plus because it is a quote quieter story in her opinion. That's my guess because I just kind of logically that's how I thought her her logic pattern was going when she was giving that answer. Um, so you, you in my know what's head, so canon, so deliciously ironic about that. Yeah, <laughs> is that so many many of the people who hate everything that Disney has done with Star Wars since 2015, yep, have I boycott Disney Star Wars and I I bring back Legends and they need to do Darth Revan and Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> if Disney does it, if Lucasfilm does it, it'll be it could go on Disney Plus and they'll, they'll force these guys to jump. I mean, it's the streaming. really smart. I think. I mean, honestly, that's the best. Like. F you like you know what I mean absolutely like, it's just like oh yeah you said you were gonna take this money away from us well look what we did we were actually listening even though you thought we weren't by the way <laughs> you know oh, they are, they are um, definitely listening yeah and I think also when when they talk about quiet stories too like you know this might lend itself to because she talked about the fact that you know they did do the character movies but they decided to not do that anymore but because we can tell the quiet stories on Disney film on Disney plus like you know, I, I also thought like, ooh, you know, maybe to me that was just like a confirmation in my own headcanon that they can do like, you know, maybe they will do, you know, uh, the Bounty Hunters Java movie or TV show series on Disney Plus and maybe they'll do Obi-Wan and maybe they'll develop Master and Apprentice into a TV show. I don't know. It would be amazing. That would be so um, cool. Well, yeah, maybe they'll develop along those the lines comics for sure. like into a TV show. Like that would be so cool. Like what if they developed Troll Souls Darth Vader into a <laughs> animated show? Like I would just be like, "Here, take all my money." Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually not for just adapting something that already exists. But mm -hmm. if they if they found a cheap and dirty way to do it, like what if they did a live action version of it? That would be crazy. You think they could do it. It would be crazy. I, I mean, I'd if, almost if be they did a live just action, just leave it as is. Just like, if they're going <laughs> to invest that type perfect. of energy, I would prefer it to be in something new. True. Oh right, because it's another Darth Vader series. I don't know if they would do that. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that there we go. We got like, I don't know, half an hour out of a two and a half minute soundbite. Oh, gosh, I know, right? <laughs> uh, what did you think of the big reveal at, at Celebration, The Rise of Skywalker? The Rise of Skywalker. What did you think of the title? <laughs> I mean, it was definitely not one on my radar <laughs> nope. or anything that anyone was talking about. Um, Except so for that one person on Twitter from 2012 or something like that oh god they tweeted star wars episode 7 the rise uh, the rise of skywalker palpatine lives well did they did they actually was it like a quoted retweet or was it a photo retweet like a screenshot retweet because if it was a screenshot retweet i would say that it could have been doctored possibly but people are also making a joke that that person has not tweeted since 2013 so when they yep. log log back in and check the replies they're, they're gonna be floored like that person probably doesn't doesn't remember they did that yeah probably but i i'm guessing that it was a joke because people make joke memes all the time like there's um a lot of 
Star Wars, uh, Game of Thrones joke memes out right now that are not even real, but they're hilarious. For sure. Um, yeah. So, so, so what's, what is your thought on the title? I like it kind of, I think it's, it's, it's smart in that it kind of, it, it does everything they want. Um, in in the fact that they're saying that this is kind of the conclusion of, you know, the Skywalkers as we know them so far. Um, and it's very mysterious and, uh, very ambiguous. And, um, you're like the rise of Skywalker. It's the last movie though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He should be going to bed, not getting up. Like what? I thought this was the dawn or the, I mean the dusk or wait, dawn. Wait, no, dusk. Dusk. Wait, no, sunset? I don't know. Whatever, dusk. It's the dusk. <laughs> oh, my God. It's been a long day. Anyway, um, I, 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 I do kind of, um, I don't know. It, it gives me a lot of interesting things to ruminate on. I'm still digesting it, I think, like, to be honest. Um, but I like that it gives me a lot to think about. Um, yeah, well, like, JJ had a yeah. comment, right? He said that the title feels like it's the right title for this movie. I hope and I so. Think he's... <laughs> but he says, I, I know it's provocative and asks a bunch of questions, but I think when you see the movie, you'll see how it's intended and, and what it means. So it sounds like there's definitely going to be an answer to the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I like. I like that too. I, I, I'm still, I'm still giddy over the, over the teaser, over the, over the title. Oh my gosh. That teaser though. Oh my God. It was oh. amazing. Like I, I, I just got chills. I was like, oh my God, I can't. I saw this, um, this thing where, oh, was it? Oh, the John Boyega tweets where he was just like, just like needling people on Twitter, um, about the the trailer was hilarious. Um, he's like brackets, Kylo's a villain. (laughs) And everyone was like giggling, like half of the people who are like, they're like, he's joking. This is hilarious. The other half are like, yeah, he's a villain. And like, it's just, it's hilarious. Like he's just baiting everyone and I love it. I'm here for it. Um, and someone apparently like responded and asked like, what is that like thing in the distance? Or like, it's the, the death star. Have you, where have you been? Like, <laughs> have you not watched the last nine movies? That's the death star. We've seen it multiple times, so many times that I literally want to poke my eye out. Um, I love it, but like really, um, anyway, so that was really funny. Um, but yeah, that teaser, it's just so gorgeous. It looks so, I don't I don't know why, but it's it's always Star Wars is always a large scale, but it seemed like even bigger scale to me for some reason. Like the shots were just so wide and yeah, like the, very... those, those opening shots in the desert. Like who mm-hmm. would have thought that? Like I just watching that, I'm like, holy cow! Huge. Look at the scale and epicness of these shots. And yeah, it's, it's desert. I literally was like, what's the word of the level level higher than like describing something as very cinematic? Because like you take that so cinematic and like inject it with, you know, human growth hormone and steroids and then pump it up with like lots of electricity and then get it bitten by a radioactive spider. And then that's what that scope looks like. It's enormous. It's so large and lighting is just so beautiful it's like they shot the entire movie in golden hour or something just the feel the mistiness of it it seems kind of like a dream almost like it's just very dreamy and moody and um evocative and um i don't know i think the lighting is stunning i just i think the costuming it just looks really pretty so um i'm really excited i hope that you know jj doesn't let us down oh boy 
Yeah, he's he can't he can't from that from whatever from everything I've seen and heard so far, we are we should be at least entertained if not completely happy, but we'll see. But you know, I, one of the things like I think having a week to think about this and watching the the discourse on, on social media, mm. one of the things I'm most thankful for about this trailer is that it I think it at least temporarily. Mm-hmm. Recenters Ray as the focal point of the trilogy. Yes, I, I I felt like the the conversation was drifting a bit towards how Kylo will, will re- re- be redeemed and how he mm-hmm. will be the hero. Mm-hmm. And like even like I, I guess it's starting to snap back to that a little bit. Like a week mm-hmm. later, yeah. But I like that it it put Ray at the center mm-hmm. of it all. L- Luke's I talking to her. And the first forty seconds are of her close-ups of her. It's she's the hero here. It's it's good. Yeah. This is the way it's got to be. Like I'll be really disappointed. I guess is the word because I'll I'll still probably like the movie, but I'll be mm-hmm. disappointed if if they do the bait and switch where yeah, where it's like actually it was about Kylo the whole time and he was the star. And it's like no, he wasn't though. Like that's not the point. Like yes he has this his he's his parents were the stars of the last movies but like he's not the focus here he is a supporting character to ray sure he's one of the leads but i think that the main number one lead is ray and i think it should always be that way this is her story um and i think it's important especially because she is going to be she is the next generation it's like basically um, she is like a symbol of of the fandom in itself and just the new era of like us moving forward. And it's just kind of like, you know, the we need to kind of focus on bringing us back to like the next kind of iteration of it. I think sometimes people get confused with Kylo because his parents were, you know, the stars and like, sure, he's also a star, but like, he's not the focus. If you think about, you know, Force Awakens, he wasn't in it as much. Like it was very much centered on Rey. And I think that's, that's the heart. She's the heart of the films, these films at least. And we, I think that's part of maybe why um, people who had liked Force Awakens weren't as happy with Last Jedi Maybe it was because, you know, it kind of wasn't, it was, I mean, I think it was important that they had that confrontation and they both were kind of equal, but um, I did think it kind of muddled a little bit, it confused, not confused really, because I don't think it was confusing, but um, it kind of blurred the line a little bit of, you know, Kylo's standing in this, in this series of like, he is, he is involved in this because of Ray. Ray is Ray brought him in like if, of course he exists but he's involved because he has this connection with Ray that he's involved with with for some reason um and I yeah, think he, he's you know, very much preoccupied with her yeah and I think it's not really about him and what he's doing and his thing of course that that's part of it but it's his main reason for being involved in this trilogy is because he is his preoccupation with Ray. The reason why he's in this is because of that. And that's part of this storyline. This is Ray's story. She's our protagonist. She is our fish out of water. We, the audience, are coming into this new story with her. She is the fish out of water into all of these this established universe of Star Wars people, so uh, or you know, legends in the Resistance and characters that we know and love and are very familiar with. Um, so it kind of she ushers us into this new kind of era by 
opening her, well, as she opens her eyes to this new world, we're opening our eyes to this new version and this new kind of uh, standpoint of where these characters are. And that's kind of, I think, what Disney was trying to do with this new trilogy. They're trying to kind of bring us in a little bit more and also not just us older fans, but like new fans. That's, That's what their focus is on. Their focus is on the next generation of fans. And I think that's why they brought in a fish out of water character. They're trying to explain to the new people what Star Wars, the past Star Wars players are like without them having to watch the the prior films. Sure, it helps. But if you started with Force Awakens, you could technically just watch the new movies with just the context that was in the films. Um, and I think that's what they were trying to do with having her be this character who didn't really know much about anything and they have to explain everything to her of how things work and then that's basically them explaining to the audience how things work yeah um so i think like you know it just makes sense and i think we need to have it you know the focus be recentered and brought back and i think that was really smart like, i wonder um, what and, what made it deviate though like is it i mean is it just because like we, we we've gone through two movies with ray and now this teaser and it it seems like a foregone conclusion that she is she is good. She is a force of good. So there's no point in there's less point in talking about her because we know she's going to be the hero, or we expect that. Whereas Kylo, uh, he's been this sort of uh, wishy washy, will he, won't mm-hmm. he? We expect the Skywalker to be redeemed. Uh maybe it's that because we he's much more questionable. We we we're less certain of him. So let's talk about mm. him more. I don't know if it's as simple as that. I don't know, because I think in, in The Last Jedi, I mean, Ray, the whole thing, excuse me, with um, with with uh, with Luke and um, with her, he was so scared of her going into the dark pit and the mirrors. And a lot of people were worried about, you know, the they discussed a lot about whether or not she was going to um, be a villain or kind of be tempted by the dark side. And she just like went ahead and did it. So I think it did kind of explore her kind of. Uh, kind of testing the waters of both sides where she, I don't think she, she's experiment, not experimented. I think that's too strong of a word, but she has flirted a little bit with the darker poles. And yep. so I think it, it, you need that because I think if you just have this one, like I'm a light and always light, and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just not believable. I think people and human beings are more complex and life is more gray and it's not all black and white. And I think as you grow into become an adult, you realize like a lot of things aren't super cut and dry and there's a lot of perspectives and points of view. And like, you know, a lot of things that you, when you look back on your own life as a person, you know, yourself outside of any sort of star Wars thing, like when you look back on your life and you think of, you know, things that you disagreed with, with your parents, for example, but now you grow up, you see where they came from and you understand why they made choices or (laughs) things, you know what I mean? And I think exactly. And I think that that's kind of the same point with this. And, um, yeah. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't really I, remember where it's going with that, but yeah, that was the point. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I am glad that the teaser did sort of refocus on Ray, saying, no, this is our protagonist. And Kylo, they, they were always sort of presented as two sides of the same coin. Yes. And that I, it was always sort of presented as not that, um, not necessarily that they're going to have to figure it out together, but mm-hmm. that is perhaps an inevitability where Kylo is going to have to get on board with Rey at some point and stop fighting 
like he's been he's been reached out to twice from from yeah from ray and from han solo mm-hmm. and in, in both times he pushed that help away at some yeah. point this being the, the end of the skywalker saga you gotta think he's gonna like there'll be a light bulb moment going what i'm yeah. doing is not working maybe maybe i need to accept help well, I mean, if you think about the fact that, like, he, his hero worship of, of his grandpa, Anakin, like, Darth Vader, I mean, in the end, he was redeemed. So if you if you read into it a lot and you think that, you know, this is his person and if he's going to follow that um, story beat pattern, like, you know, I think, I think a lot of people expect him to follow the same path as Darth Vader. And I think it would be really interesting to see if they do deviate from that and they don't do what they did with Anakin. Um, well, that's it, right? That is, that's yeah, the because why would they repeat the same thing? I mean, I, but maybe they will. Like, I mean, it, it's interesting because either way will say a lot of how they view life and cycles and how people change and nature versus nurture and all of those things. So, We'll see what happens, but I think I think um, there are going to be interesting. I, either way would be very interesting. I think personally, I would prefer the villain aspect. But if they do find a way to redeem him, that's good and works well with the story. I mean, I'm okay with it. Um, I just want, at the end of the day, I always just want a good story, and I don't really care specifically about whether or not he's redeemed. I just want it to have the best service to all of the characters in the story. Um, and that's just where I'm coming from. But I, I, I want you know, JJ being JJ, and he's 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 a wily guy. I wonder if I I personally think he will leave Kylo in a place where like Kylo will do something in in the third act at at you know in, at the end of the film, and we will fight about whether or not what he did was a redemptive act or out of selflessness or or self, oh selfishness. Like Jack from Lost. <laughs> I have no idea. I've never watched a oh single my god. episode. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the ending, yeah. It was it was kind of like that. That was exactly what you're describing. So, yeah. like it, And it, it was very I'm totally imagining that. Like, he um, will do something that is self-serving. Like, oh my god. He might, it might be now- seen as self-serving, <laughs> or it might be seen as him coming back. But he won't be alive to tell the tale. So we'll That's fight exactly. about that. exactly. Oh yeah, I uh, oh my god, Kyle, you didn't even watch Lost, and you already understand JJ Abrams. Like, I just, I yeah, I'm I'm on your team. You yes. But is that is that satisfying though? Because he's that's the word, no. that's the buzzword, right? That's the buzzword they've used to, to, for this movie is satisfying. Um, well, I can tell you from a person who watched Lost, I was not necessarily satisfied with the ending. Um, but I mean, it was an ending. It, was... <laughs> <laughs> it happened. It, it happened. I mean, the more I, the more I think about it now, and now that I've grown up a little bit more from when I've actually watched it, I do think there's a quiet beauty in it. And I think, um, oh my God, people are going to hate me for saying that. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know. I think it was a very, um, mythology and and belief heavy show so i wasn't surprised that it ended the way that it did now that i can understand the context behind it but at the time i was like are you kidding me this is what i waited this much for like are you are you serious um yeah it was it was it wasn't great and and when it came out the people were very mixed it was very sopranos um ending vibes maybe let more unsatisfied oh, boy. Um, yeah, so uh, 
or like we'll the, like the ending of Seinfeld. It seems like a lot of the big oh, shows God. when they go out, it's like ugh, they really? drop the ball. <laughs> Dallas, they drop the shark. Oh, Seinfeld, God. Lost, Sopranos. Let's Did hope Star that episode Wars nine does. Shark? Yeah, let's let's hope Star Wars does not do that. Like I I want JJ to do that thing that everybody says he can't do and just close the deal. Yeah. All right, so we had some publishing news to speak about, but let's just jump to the interesting bit. Mm-hmm. Master and Apprentice came out this week. Great. We'll talk about that at another time. Next some comic month. book news. Again, cool, but we'll get around to talking about those comics when they come. Yep. I wanna, let's talk about Project Luminous because I think yes! we set our brains on fire. Oh, yes, it did. Holy cow. What? I don't know. I they don't they won't tell us and we don't know. But this thing sounds ridiculous. So late in last in, in celebration, they talked about this thing called Project Luminous. And it's it, it's from Lucasfilm Publishing. Uh, it's a project initiated by Michael Siglane. And it, he's got five authors involved. So Kevin Scott, Daniel Jose Older, Justina Ireland, Charles Soule, and Claudia Gray. Like, it's, yep. it's a murderer's it's row. The heavy hitters of the novel universe of Star Wars. It is, and the comic universe. I mean, my favorite authors, not just in Star Wars, just in general, period, are all, all five of these people are my favorite authors. I mean, it's just, my mind was just blown. I don't know what to do with myself. It's going to be incredible. Yeah, like they could, they could have added, boy, there's, there's other names they could have thrown on that, on that list. And, and you know, Beth Rivas or oh, uh, yes. Christy Golden, they could have added some, uh, James Lucino. They could have added more, but we've got a pretty damn good set to do something. We don't know. But what, what we do know is uh, Kevin Scott wrote about it on his blog after Celebration. and Yesterday. Was it yesterday? He, he posted it yesterday. So it's fresh news. It just came out April 20th. Um, new blog post. So this is like, he, he is the first person to give us a little, tiny little bit of context without actually giving us any morsels um, of what it was. So he's, this is the first kind of um, behind the scenes look we're getting of what they actually did and what it might kind of be like or what they've been doing to prepare for it. So this blog post was very well-timed, I <laughs> think. <laughs> yeah we got lucky we definitely got lucky, we got lucky. and we you got brought it up lucky. to me so thanks for that mm-hmm. but it basically yeah. was the five authors were flown into skywalker ranch twice the first yeah. being in uh last year september, september last... Two, the september 2018 yeah and then march again this year of 2019 and they had some intense workshops they hung out in the lucas research library but perhaps most interestingly and maybe telling is that they watched A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back in the, the the like their Art Deco theater at Skywalker Ranch, the remastered 4K versions. Now I don't know if that's just let's watch these 4K remasters just because, or if there's something to special about those two movies in particular. I mean, they watched the first film on the first trip and the second film on the second trip, um, and they were looking at the research library, which. They read the displaying t- 35,000 titles in the collection, which span from the 1800s to the present day. That is insane to me. 1800s. That's a big like, library. It's crazy. Like, can you, an 1800 paper from the 1800s, that's most of that is vellum or parchment 
parchment. Vellum is like very thin skin, like uh, animal or human skin um, that they, not human, animal skin, I think. <laughs> Sorry, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm delirious. Anyway, um, animal skin that they used to print on. And so it's a very delicate, very breakable, probably temperature controlled, have to use gloves to handle it if I, they probably didn't even get to touch it I don't know someone probably moved it for them or something but it's just I think that um, because they're launching this new project I do think it's telling that they are watching A New Hope on the first trip and Empire Strikes Back on the second trip when they were breaking story for like a new kind of I don't I, I don't they haven't really told us anything but they're saying it's like a new what did the, what was the, the full quote it's like a new something new that they're working on that's very new and very special and something like it's it's like very con- concentrated on what they're doing and it's seems to be very s- separate from other people i don't know that's just what i'm reading into it but i think from i think them saying that they watch a new hope and empire strikes back which were the first two films of the entire star wars in general i think that i think they might be launching something new um as in like a new pocket of of stories um and how to launch a new kind of usher in a new group of things um i i can't say what but i don't know because i don't know it's crazy to think of what this could be like they're promising something huge so you think okay they're all writers so is it some sort of interwoven comic book series with novels like okay that's really cool i think that but i i also like so you know how i said i i wonder if they're going to develop some of the written content for the platform um the streaming platform and honestly if if that's what it is i would literally lose my mind um because adaptations do really really well for a platform and i think it might happen on a platform um you know maybe we'll see a real life lost stars <laughs> i would die for a lost stars tv show um but I, I, maybe that's that might be involved who knows um because they did say just i mean I, writers are very meticulous with the information they use in any sort of writing and every piece of information they give us serves a purpose and he said Quote, um, both Skywalker retreats featured days of intense workshops where we came up with new ideas and broke story. The most exhilarating writer's room in the world, which he repeats the most exhilarating writer's room in the world at least three times in this entire (laughs) blog post, by the way. Um, And while the days were busy, the evenings were cozy, sitting next to a roaring fire in the ranch's guest inn, discussing the day's events and discussing writing, music, films, and, well, everything. So I think when How you're crazy saying writing, must that be? oh, I mean, I've, I mean, it must be an amazing. I've been to kind of retreats where and workshops where you break story like that, but that intense, like, so I only have, I, I can only imagine like how much more magnified it is because I've experienced it in a lot of much smaller, concentrated, lower risk <laughs> setting, but it's, it's really incredible to go on retreats. I'm a huge fan of them. Um, I think they really help, especially with collaborative work. And I really love that they're all going to kind of work together um, into kind of ushering like a new cohesiveness to the writing, because I think that's a really incredible way to kind of tie in a lot of that 
a lot of the different offshoots and storylines and comic series in that exist that don't really kind of weave in together and don't have like a consistent canon sometimes or um, different things like that. So I think to have a little bit more consistency is cool to have Easter eggs would be cool. And maybe they'll weave a little bit of the storylines kind of in and out um, and kind of work together. That would be really cool. I mean, it's kind of, we were talking about this, you know, a few months, several months ago where we we're like, you know how it would be so cool if the books and the comics kind of all weave together and, <laughs> you know, they kind of gave Easter eggs, but that's never going to happen. Maybe, um, maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe this is it's a, happening. finally a type of project <laughs> you know where you, mean? Yeah, maybe and, where the the TV shows and the books and a comic or what have you all work together. But they also said, since we've been back, we've been working, working, working. We've been working, 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 developing the ideas that came about in those workshops, the ones that they broke stories, new stories for, creating something, creating something we hope is very special. Something we hope is very special. That indicates one thing to me that they're all working on together. Um, whether it be separate books that they all write separately, sure, that can be separate. But I think something we hope is very special, that to me reads that they're all going to be working on something together collectively and that it's all going to tie in with each other. Um, closely reading into <laughs> what he wrote. Um, so, and he said it's the biggest thing that he's ever been involved with. Um, and it's a joint effort for the five of them coming together to conjure up something new and exciting together. So it's crazy. Like, um, I mean, obviously, I mean, you look at the title of it, project luminous, you think uh, of it being, you think of that being attributed to Yoda. It's coming out in 2020, the same year as, empire's 40th it's hard not to make to connect those dots mm -hmm. oh yeah but i i wonder this is why we have to go to anaheim 2020 Kyle. <laughs> i guess <laughs> twist my arm um like my, my when they announced this my first thought jumped to the the empire strikes back equivalent of from a certain point of view just that oh, collection right. of short stories mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. after after a few minutes it's like well no like the way they're talking about this and certainly now with, with this blog post, it's bigger than that, especially since it's just the five authors. Mm -hmm. It's not a collection of 25 or 30. It's just five people. And it's being billed as a big deal. It's like 2020 is pretty bare in terms of content at this point. It's We, we get some Mandalorian probably mm -hmm. and maybe Cassian Andor at the end of the year if we're lucky. <clears throat> we'll have Clone Wars. Yes, right? Clone Wars might spill. Well, that's I think that's coming November as well. So it might yeah. spill into early 2020, but for the most part, we're going to have not a lot. Mm -mm. So maybe, I don't know if they're looking at this as sort of the big deal for mm -hmm. 2020, yes. which is risky because uh -huh. most people don't invest in reading like to that degree. But maybe it doesn't just involve reading. Yeah. They're yeah. writers. You don't necessarily, writing doesn't necessarily mean just books. I mean, they write comics. Justina Ireland also writes comics. Um, uh, and so I think, you know, maybe this is the next step. Maybe they're writing a TV show together. Maybe this is a writer's room. Who knows? Oh. That would be amazing. Could you imagine if this is a writer's room? They broke story together. They're talking about film, TV, movies, music. Hello. Um, that all goes into a TV show. <laughs> this is just me projecting probably, but I don't care. I'm going to go with it. Um, and it's a joint effort. The five of them coming up to five of us coming together to conjure up something new and exciting. To me, that screams writer's room. Like 
it doesn't just mean they're all working together to break stories separately. To me, that re- reads, it's a writer's room. They're working on something together. I'm hoping that it's, it's, it's something more than just books. Um, but if it was just books, I would be super, super stoked or comics or animated series, just give me anything. But I think them, him saying like they were talking about films and music and whatever, and they're coming together and conjuring something up new and exciting and breaking story. Those to me are writer's terms for a writer's room. So um, that's, that's how we talk about a film a cool or TV writer's room. So to me, when I saw this, I literally in my notes, I wrote, does this mean, uh, I wrote, um, what did I write? I wrote TV show, TV show, TV show. <laughs> um, darn tuned excited. This is definitely going to be a writer's room. I just, I, I, that was my first read, but that's just coming from a writer, like being in the writing industry and being around people who use these terms, um, in TV and film and, and books. So to me, that's what I got from it. I might totally just be projecting and reading into my desire. Um, but to me, it kind of, it, that's, that's kind of what I think. And they talk about the force is what gives a Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. I think they might be exploring like what the mythology of the force is and what is it and deeper. Maybe it's the temple, the, the, what is it? Journals of the willing. Maybe it's the temple. Maybe if it's the religion stuff, I would, or just the mythology of the force, that would be really cool too. Like I, I think that's really amazing. Or maybe they're working on like the the legend or lore book or legends book or something about force. But I think it would be more than that. I think um, I don't know. It's really cool. Like my my biggest idea, and this is something that I mentioned. One of one of our listeners asked us a long time ago, like, what stories would you like them to tell? Mm-hmm. In in whatever medium. And I said I wanted I wanted a multi volume set of novels about Luke and his adventures from the end of Return of the Jedi up to the events of the sequel trilogy. And because I don't see, I, I don't now, I don't anymore think of Luke in that time period as this swashbuckling debonair hero. I think of him as almost like a monk. He's fairly pacifist. He's all about learning. He's all about studying the force. And I wonder if this project could carry that mantle so to speak where it's it's the story of luke skywalker the 30 lost years that we don't know much about but it's all about a deep dive into the mythology of the force so it's what you're talking about and but it's through luke's lens you know what i mean and it it could take Mm -hmm. like sidebars and detours into Mm -hmm. like you could spend like full-on chapters uh, with ex-jedi from you know from from galactic history but it would be the entire history of the Force or the Jedi through Luke Skywalker. I wonder if it I'm could into be. It. But even that, like, like that sounds like a big deal. I don't know that it sounds that, that it's as big as what they're talking mm-hmm. about, what they're promising here. Or maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it is. Like, and I also wonder if this kind of thing that they're doing, just the timing of it, is it potential groundwork or linkage with the films that are coming from Ryan Johnson mm. and Benioff and Weiss are like, maybe are they talking? Mm, that's, that's a good point. Like something that big that they're talking about should probably play into the movies. Right. I agree. I mean, I, I agree with you. 
I, that's, I feel like I, I, that just gave me so much to kind of like ruminate on and marinate on right now. I'm just like, my brain is going a million miles per minute right now. Well, you just said, I think that I, I agree with you. Oh, is it, yeah, that, 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 would, that stuff would has to play mind. together. They're talking about how they, to. it's got to, it's got to on some level, maybe, you know, he, how about this? Those are the five people they talked about, but nobody said that they were the only five people. Exactly. I think they're, and plus writer's rooms have so many more people. There's head writers and then there's other writers who come in. And so I think maybe right now as they're launching, these are the five that are being brought in, but who knows if this keeps going forward. We Maybe they haven't told us more because it's so shrouded in secrecy. If they told us any other people involved, it would give us a little bit more context as to what it might actually be. Um, but at this point, you know, I think it's relatively able to be protected because it's the writers and not as many people are like gung ho about trying to get all of the scoops about the publishing um, part of Star Wars. I mean, we are, but, you know, not everyone is as woke as us. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I think that, it, oh God, I think it could definitely, I definitely think there are more people involved. Um, maybe it will be like second generation or like, you know, second wave. Um, but I think this is the first wave and I think there will be more. I don't think that they're the only ones. And, um, I'm pretty sure because their first trip was in September of last year. Um, there probably is other, there probably are other people who are probably in like first talk or something. Cause this is the first time we're hearing about it and it started happening, you know, last fall. I mean, sure. Charles Sewell said, I'm working on something really exciting. I can't talk about it at all. And that was this obviously, um, you know, now in hindsight, we can say that, see that it might be something else too, but I, clearly he said this is the best writer's room we've ever worked in uh, multiple times the most exhilarating writer's room in the world three times so i think charles sewell probably this is what he was talking about um like what a world we're in now like think about like this is a second and just think about we've got claudia gray i can't books we we can't get fast enough and just you know charles sewell these, oh God, I love him. Just these two names on their own would be enough for me to have a full-on stroke. But now you're adding Justina Ireland, Daniel Jose Oldar, and Kevin I love Scott. Them. Like, They've written all of my favorite stuff. Like that, I've I, everything that I've read of theirs, I've loved. So um, there's no duds for me. So I'm just like, this is the ultimate power team. <laughs> It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's the Avengers of of Star Wars publishing. Nice. Like it's just it, it is. It's it's our Infinity War Endgame. Like it's just the best. I I saw this blog post and I think I just messaged you immediately and I was like I'm losing my ever loving mind right now. Like I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't. Like I'm. That's probably why I'm so erratic right now. But it's just, I, I can't, I can't. Because they joined the Lucasfilm editorial team and story group to start work on his vision for a massive Star Wars event. Like, what? A massive, like a massive Star, Star Wars, Wars event, event. With the Lucasfilm editorial team and the story group. Like, that, that's, that's a lot. That's it's a lot. lot. Like, of, all lot the big of... players are involved with this. Oh, yeah. Like, everyone in charge of the stories. And so all that's of why I'm the thinking, like, even, even my, my fantasy about a series of Luke novels. Not big enough, but but what? Like, holy cow, this could be crazy. 
Yeah, and especially knowing um, what, uh, Cecil Castellucci, who wrote uh, Princess Leia Moving Target, and hearing her talk about what her experience was like working on that film and how um, how the how little information like she got a lot, but not enough. Like she would do things and be like, "No, you can't do that. Nope, that doesn't work." But this seems to be like so much information. They're like giving, they're bringing them on. They're like, "Okay, let's talk about it." So. This is so much access. It's so beyond anything I've heard about in like in not in the last three, not even five years, three, four years or so. So, I mean, it's a huge push. It's going to be mega exciting. I can't wait for them to announce it. And it's oh, it sounds like we're going to get news sooner than later, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. which is nice. But anyway, that's yes, for another please. time. Uh, and, and that brings us to the end of the podcast. Oh, we I, feel, I feel like there's. I feel like I could keep going, but for the it's sake of everybody, for Game it's. Of Thrones. <laughs> there you Sorry, go, guys. There you go. <laughs> All right, well, guys, uh, that's gonna do it. Thank you so much for listening. It's uh, episode one seventy two in the can. And if you want to be a part of the podcast, uh, send your questions to tumblingsaber at gmail dot com, and we will feed them into the notes for a future episode. And if you like this episode of the podcast. There are a variety of ways in which you can help us to grow. And one is to do like Marie did and become a powerful friend on Patreon, starting at just two little dollars per month. Come on, it's ridiculous. It's nothing. Uh, Otherwise, you can subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Leave us a review there as well, which, of course, course we will read here on, on an upcoming episode. And thirdly, but definitely up there on the importance factor, is to share this episode of the podcast with your friends on social media. People trust recommendations from their friends. So if you got, if you have friends in your life who need more Star Wars in it, tell them about us. If you like what we do, maybe they will like us as well. And uh, I'd like to give a shout out to our guy, Rob Wade, over at Emotionally14.com for making this episode, for endorsing this episode as part of the E14 Endorse program, which you can learn more about at Emotionally14.com. And be sure to check out the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Nine great shows. Everybody's doing great work right now. We are humming along. Go check it out, and uh, you won't be disappointed. Either on iTunes as a podcast provider, you could find us there, or at StarWarsCommonwealth.com. And finally, with all that out of the way, my voice is shot. Michelle, where can people find you on social media? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at tediously underscore brief. Um, you can also find my book blog and all of my stuff about fandom, comics, uh, traveling, anything to do with being a nerd um, and loving books and comics and film and TV and everything is over on at traveling book nerds on Instagram. And you can find me on Facebook at Michelle Grandine. And that's it, right? <laughs> oh, and you can also find us, find me, you can find me through um, the Tumbling Saber closed Facebook group, which Kyle will talk about in a second. Yeah, I guess I, well, yes, if, you, if you're listening, if you're not part of our closed Facebook group, if, if you know, if you, sometimes you're nervous about geeking out on social media because other people might see and that's a part of your life that you like to keep hidden, our group is private. So you don't have to worry about that. You can jump in with us, yeah. other nerds. Hang out, talk Star Wars, and all this other nonsense all day long. It's a pretty active group. It's a small, tight-knit group. Come join us. We'll let you right in, and we'll have a whole lot of fun there. Otherwise, you can find me also on uh, Twitter, at TumblingSaber, and on Instagram, where I am not very active. But if you follow me there, 
you might coax me out of uh, hibernation. <laughs> you know, I'm really trying. I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to get you there. We're gonna we're gonna make this happen. All right, I'm motivated. <laughs> yes. All right, everybody, that's it. Have a great week. Enjoy Game of Thrones or whatever it is you're going to go do. And yes. uh, we'll be back. We'll be back uh, next week with episode 173. So until then, enjoy yourselves, be good to each other, and we'll talk to you then. Bye, guys. Sweet. It's not fair